Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stress, Depressed, and Anxious with your hostie, aka Local Neighborhood Baby. So I am ex- inspired um, because I actually just found a new podcast to subscribe to, and I'm going to share it with you guys. It's called Not Just Any Book Club. You guys should check it out. Um, they are available to listen to on all platforms, I believe. I follow them on Apple, and I just find it so enjoyable. Um, so one of the things I've always loved to do ever since I was a little, little girl, and I think I might have talked about this in previous episodes, but if you haven't heard those episodes, then yeah, I have always liked to read. I've always been such an avid reader and such a bookworm, and I just wanted to come on and talk about the books that I love, the books that I enjoy, why I enjoy some of them and also how it's helped me with my stress, depression, and anxiety throughout my entire life. So I um actually like a year or so ago discovered this concept, um, I guess it's a concept called maladaptive um daydreaming. And it's basically a psychiatric condition and it just causes intense daydreaming that distracts a person from their real life. Um, So I guess it's like a like a coping mechanism, but it's like gets to the point where it can actually intercede and affect your ability to focus on your day to day life, Um, just like any other psychiatric affliction almost. So. I kind of was interested in this concept because I felt like, and I have not been diagnosed with this, and I haven't even talked about this with a therapist, so this is just like a mild observation, but it just, the description of this kind of sounded like me in a way, in a way. Um, I, again, have always been interested in, like, just such a bookworm. And I found myself disappearing into books, as many book readers love to do, um, for no other reason than just enjoying reading. But when there was, like, so much chaos around me and I just, like, did not feel comfortable and I experienced a lot of trauma as a little girl and just, like, when all of that chaos was going on, I found myself like just getting lost in books every single day. I was always so on edge in my household and it always felt like I was holding my breath waiting for the next bad thing to happen and just like wanting to crawl out of my skin. Um, so the way that I kind of got out of dealing with a lot of things was through disappearing into books because I felt like everyone in my household would pretty much leave me alone when I was reading like sometimes people (laughs) would still try to engage me but most of the time like basically people would just leave me alone when I was reading because like of course parents approve of their children most parents approve of their children unless you're like Matilda or something and if shout out to you if you get that reference but like most parents approve of their children, highly approve of their children reading books. Um, so I really got left alone a lot of the times when I was like in my room reading books because, you know, it was a good thing to be doing. And so I, and I really, really, really enjoyed it too. So it really just worked out for me as a way to escape and avoid dealing with like any kind of chaos or trouble or anything else that could crop up. So some of my favorite books as a child, I remember I used to definitely read The Babysitter's Club, but I have to, it, there's a lot of like, I read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, of course, all those classic books. I read Matilda. I read so many of the classics. Um, There was one called like, <sighs> the smelly school bus or I don't know I don't want to like butcher these because I yeah I should have probably (laughs) googled and find found all these titles but basically what the book that sticks out for me as a little girl when I was reading was Beezus and Ramona I used to read um or all the Ramona series I used to read those books so much um and actually 
Before that, oh my gosh, before that, when I was growing up as a little girl in New Jersey, before that, I used to really read books like uh, from Shel Silverstein. If you guys don't know about Shel Silverstein, please, even as an adult, go check that out. I don't even think that it, well, I guess it is a children's book, but like, even as an adult, you can read that book. Like, it is so good. My sister actually gifted it to me for a couple of birthdays uh, a few years ago because she knows how much that book meant to me. So there's one called A Light in the Attic and another one called Where the Sidewalk Ends. And those are just like, those books are so near and dear to my heart. I can't even begin to explain it. They're like a book, a collection of like poems, basically. And I don't know, the poems are all like, they just tell a story and it's just so good like please go online please find a light in the attic or where the sidewalk ends by shell silverstein or any of his books and go check it out and you'll see what i mean it is so good so so good okay but then after that phase um no really obviously wasn't a phase but like after devouring those books the next books that really stick out to me as a child was uh, the Ramona series I read, like starting with Ramona the Pest, Beasts and Ramona, Ramona Forever, like all the Ramonas that I can um, think of, <laughs> they are, those books just like sincerely, sincerely saved my life. And again, if any of you guys are wondering how a book can save your life, I guarantee you if you find a genre of a book that you really love, once you start reading it, the story will just suck you in and you will just forget like everything that's going on around you. Like sincerely, when I would be reading some of these books, I would be like so lost in the books that I would forget to eat. Like I like it, it would go from morning to night. By the time I looked up, it would be nighttime. Like I just like I didn't even realize any of that because I was so lost in the world of the book that I was reading so like it just really saved me from processing a lot of these like or having to deal with a lot of these like anxious feelings and just not feeling safe or whatever the case was or just like I don't know it just like gave me some place else to be in somewhere else for my mind to focus and it was just life-saving in a lot of ways so after my obsession with Ramona I pretty much moved on to like by the time I was in like fourth grade-ish I was moving on to like teeny bopper type novels like um as an example was like um those novels targeted I would say towards like middle school girls like 11 to you know 12 13 and um an example of this kind of book would probably be like gossip girl yes for those of you that don't know gossip girl is not just a tv show it was actually a book series long before it was a tv show and i was reading that in about the fourth grade and like other books like it um and then by the time i got to like the end of fourth grade fifth grade that's when i really graduated to adult novels i was and still am such an avid fan of like romance novels okay don't judge me i don't care what like i don't know i just like i'm a big fan of romance novels so one of my first ones that i can really recall like kickstarting everything was this book that I started to read and it was called Gap Creek by Robert Morgan and this book really dealt with some mature themes like it was really I believe about like a young couple a a young girl who ends up getting married and like her trials and tribulations and like it was about like marriage and, and like going through stuff and like I actually have the summary of the book pulled up and I'm gonna read it for you guys it's kind of long but we have all the time in the world so like hopefully um I don't bore you to tears with this summary but if I'm gonna read it and if you're interested go and check this book out okay so here goes Gap Creek is a story of a young couple's first year of marriage struggling against harsh terrain and poverty in the 19th century South Carolina countryside Ever since she was a child, Julie Harmon's life has been plagued with tragedy. She grew up in a hardworking farm family. She is the third daughter in a family of five children. The youngest child, a boy named Massiner, died when Julie was a teenager. Since her father was battling chest consumption and was too weak to carry the boy down the mountain himself, Julie helped the journey and was present when her brother passed away after vomiting up a stomach full of worms. Unfortunately, Papa's consumption got the better of him soon after his son's death and he became bedridden. Just as Julie was the only one physically strong enough to tackle Papa's field work, she was also the only one strong enough to deal with the emotional trauma of caring for Papa as he died. 
After Papa dies, the majority of the hard labor falls on Julie, who has the strength to work like a man. At the novel's opening, she is 17 years old, working hard in the fields and fearing that married life will never come her way. Out of the blue, 18-year-old Hank Richards comes by to, to ask for directions, and he and Julie fall in love. After their first time courting, he meets with Julie's family for church on a Sunday afternoon. He and Julie are engaged. A month later, they are married, and Julie's dreams of moving away from her mother's house come true. She and Hank move down into the valley to a place called Gap Creek, where Hank's arranged free room and board in exchange for tending to an old man's home. The old man, Mr. Pendergast, turns out to be a horrible landlord, always meddling in the married couple's business and critiquing everything Julie does, from the way she cooks biscuits to the way she sweeps the floor. Additionally, Hank's mother, Ma Richards, comes down from her side of the mountain, and she's just as miserable as Mr. Pendergast. Julie wonders if she's strong enough to deal with demanding negative personalities. After slaughtering a hog one afternoon and rendering the fat into lard, Pendergast sees that the fire has broken out in his kitchen. Even though it isn't safe, Pendergast runs back into the house to save his pension money and is badly burned in the fire. Although Julie does her best to nurse him, he dies from his injuries that night. When the, with the landlord dead and with no way of reaching his heirs, Julie and Hank take over Gap Creek as if it's their own home. They fix it up, tend to the crops, feed the animals, and care for the property. Twice, swindlers come into town and steal the couple steal from the couple, leaving them destitute. A freak flash flood kills the cow, ruins their corn crop, and rots most of the meat in, in the smokehouse. Hank and Julie are suddenly without any money or food. Around this time, Julie also discovers she's pregnant. Despite their many hurdles, the couple joins together to fight back and reclaim their lives. They manage to eke out enough meals of cornbread and grits to survive through the harsh winter, but barely. Julie gives birth to her baby, a daughter, a month later, but the baby is too weak to survive. Soon after, Pendergast's heirs arrive to reclaim their property and the back rent Hank owes. With no money and no food and no future on Gap Creek, Hank and Julie pack up their few belongings and start climbing the mountain. Even though they have lost everything, the young couple feels overwhelmed with hope as they begin their new lives together. So again, this is a book about all the trials and tribulations that a young couple goes through in marriage. So you can imagine as like a late fourth grader, early fifth grader reading this book, um, again, it, those are pretty mature things themes to be reading at nine and ten years old but I absorbed all this information and it just like really stuck with me and although like I'm not even married right now it taught me about the struggle of perseverance through difficult situations and how love may not be enough to put food on the table but it definitely um helps if you're committed to uh, being together throughout anything that happens for good or bad so and it also was an interesting story about like wanting to get away from home which is a theme in my own early life and seeing that it's not it's not as easy as you think it's going to be it's not this fairy tale like you it's it's really tough because yeah I don't want to get too deep into that but like it is a theme that I've dealt with in my own life so reading this book at nine and ten years old that story has always stuck with me and stayed in the back of my mind for a lot of different reasons. So that was one of my first adult themed books that I can remember reading and that really propelled me forward with like wanting to read more of those books. Um, and I think I talked about it in a previous episode, but my mom at this time, she was like an RN, which is a registered nurse. And she worked uh, with a lot of geriatric patients and she did some private work. Like she was a private nurse working in some of these, some of her clients' homes, and that needed that needed round the clock care or whatever. She had this patient um, that was pretty wealthy and had like this massive collection of books. This patient was like a paraplegic. Her name was Mrs. Corin, and I'll never forget her because my mom basically would talk about me at work and tell her that like she had a daughter that like loved to read and was such a bookworm, and a, like this woman like heard that and was like oh really like and started giving my mom a ton of books to like give me but like I don't think my, my mom really like told her the fact that like you know of how old I was she was just like my daughter I have a daughter who loves to read like my mom saw the books and she was like I have a daughter who loves to read okay and so 
my mom also did not vet these books <laughs> she just she also thankfully like I don't know I grew up in such a way that like I guess a lot of people nowadays especially but maybe even back then would have been like whoa like that is no 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 that's a big no no <laughs> because my mom did not necessarily like or my dad none of them really like vetted like the books that we read or the movies that we watched like we were watching rated r movies at a very young age and they weren't like i mean i watched titanic at seven years old just as an example like it wasn't like terrible for you films like i wasn't watching cuties level films uh which no one should watch at any age um at those ages but i was watching like scary movies right like i was watching like you know i don't know return of the living dead when i (laughs) when i was like really young or like just like a lot of horror films that was probably like inappropriate for my age and then also like all types of other films or whatever and the same went for the books like my mom never really vetted the books she didn't know what the books were about she just kind of came home with this pile of books and like gave them to me and I'm glad that she did not because still today again like with when it comes to films which I don't want to get too off topic because this is about books but when it comes to films like I have watched all these classic movies and that I wouldn't otherwise have seen and known about for a very long time if at all if she didn't like allow us to watch these films um at that age and also like the books too like these are some of my favorite books till this day and they taught me a lot so I'm really glad that like they weren't vetted for like age like whatever so anyways the next book that I and I think I've talked about this book before too but the book is called River's End it's by Nora Roberts and this is a romance book this is like my first like real I feel like Gap Creek isn't like your typical romance book I feel like I feel like because of the fact that there's like no real happy ending and it's just like it's just like a story of strife and struggle like there's yeah there's romance between the couple but it was like the story the beginning of the story like pretty much centered on like her hoping and dreaming to like get away from like this harsh kind of work that the hard work that she was doing and like getting married and being whisked away and just like then the rest of the whole rest of the book was like about her dealing with the reality that that's just not what life is you know what I mean so like it wasn't really like a true blue um romance book but nor uh nor robert's um book river's end that book was like definitely more of a romance book so um i'm gonna try to find like the summary right now like i'm literally googling it right now for you guys so that i could read you the summary um and again like if you if you become interested from the summary that I'm going to read you, then please do. I mean, this is one of my favorite, like, this is, like, one of my all-time favorite books. I'm trying to find, I did find a summary, but I'm trying to find, like, a longer summary. Okay. Is this, like, I feel like um this summary that I found was good but it was somebody else like had written a summary like had written basically like a review of the book okay I'm just finding like short summaries so I'm just gonna read this short summary to you okay um Olivia's parents were among Hollywood's golden couples until the night a monster came and took her mother away forever, a monster with the face of her father. Sheltered from the truth, an older Olivia only dimly recalls her night of terror, but her recurring nightmares make her realize that she must piece together the real story. Now assisted by Noah Brady, the son of the police detective who found her cowering in her closet so many years before, she may have her chance. Noah wants to reconstruct the night that has become an infamous part of Hollywood's story. He also wants to help Olivia and heal the longing in her lonely heart. But once the door to her past is opened, there's no telling what's waiting on the other side. For somewhere, not too far away, the monster walks again. So I just feel like that's that's your basic like book summary. But like, 
it doesn't like really give you a true depiction of what happened so i'm just gonna explain it to you and hopefully not spoil anything so this girl little girl olivia like the book pretty much starts with her she has a mother who's an actress and a father who's also an actor in hollywood and she's just like living this like little princessy type life okay so basically the book starts off from her point of view and she's just a little girl and essentially it kind of she just i think like she was taking a nap she was sleeping or something i don't know she just like i think she was either outside or she was sleeping and when she wakes up she finds like her father cower or no hovering over her mother's dead body with scissors and her father literally looks up covered in blood holding scissors in his hand her mother's like dead on the ground in a pool of blood and he just looks up at her and he's just like calling her and she like runs for her life and hides in the closet he's like looking for her everywhere in the house it's like oh my gosh and basically what ends up happening is that she hides in the closet for hours until the police comes and this police detective you know chief brady or whatever like opens up the closet while because all the other police officers are looking for her throughout the house and like opens up the closet finds her she's all traumatized and stuff and it's just like this big news story because like they were big famous hollywood actors this is all fictional by the way and um yeah so he finds her and basically her grandmother and grandfather on her father's side they all come to the house her auntie also comes and her uncle her aunt was her mother's twin you know and her uncle arrives as well and basically her grandparents um she they were with her and then like i remember in the book there was a whole bunch of reporters outside of her house obviously because these are famous people and you know high profile crazy murder just happened so they're all camped out outside of the house and she just like had this moment i think where she just was tired of answering questions i don't know what what it was but basically she ran out of the house and she like was had her hands over her ears just like like screaming like just wanting to get away from all these people and they had like all these photos of her and it was just like her grandparents decided at that after that moment that like they just needed to take her away from there like they didn't want her to be plagued by this for the rest of her life so they just took her with them to this place called river's end and it, they had like a basically a a, a, tra- a hikers a nature lounge is what it's called they had a nature lounge in the middle of this like foresty area in the washington peninsula i believe and like they basically gave people nature tours and like took them on long hikes and stuff and that's what they did for a living and they kept her in this bubble they didn't let her watch tv or like read newspapers or anything up on like what happened to her mother like they just never talked about it it was like a closed topic and they just raised her in this little safe bubble so she was never like she was homeschooled like she just never had to encounter any or face anything that happened but still as like a young girl she just never obviously forgot about it and um wanted to be able to talk about it and wanted to find out more about her mother because her grandparents refused to talk about you know their daughter and it wasn't anything malicious obviously it's just that they wanted to protect her and they also just like for their own hearts like they just couldn't open up and talk about it so anyways in wanting to um talk about it basically she decided to invite the the uh officer who had found her in the closet like because i think she always wrote to them or something and she basically wrote him an open letter and invited him and his family to come for you know to stay at the lodge and stuff like that and you know it's like saying that she would give him like a nature tour and all this stuff like that whatever so she invited him and he actually came and showed up with his family and she her whole plan basically behind that was to be able to ask questions you know like in the hopes of being able to ask questions about her mother um and anyway they come and they bring their they have a son her he comes with his wife and his son and his son is noah brady and she's like 12 years old at the time so she gives them a a hike or whatever and this she has a she ends up having a crush on this boy she's like 12 he's like i don't know like 13 or like 14 or something so 
she ends up ha- like clearly having this little crush on this boy um what she is she doesn't even know how to define it at that time she just you know Nora just basically describes the feelings that she has and you can like infer that she has a crush on this boy and she her, her the parents the chief and his wife basically after their little hike their mini hike ended up having a little lunch picnic and hanging out and like she took Noah to go see beavers or something and they were walking and talking and like just you know making jokes with each other and she ended up asking Noah about like her mother like if he had ever seen any of her mother's movies and he was like haven't you and he just didn't understand he was from the city he was from los angeles by the way the cop and his wife and all that they were all from los angeles obviously and so he just he's this young boy and he's just like you haven't seen any of your mother movie your mother's movies how sheltered are you not in like a mean rude way like that but like basically he was just surprised that she hadn't seen any of her mother's movies and he was curious about her too he actually wanted to ask you know as young kids do like how does it feel to have a mother that's been murdered like you know what I mean like but that was all on the inside and it wasn't again not in a cruel way it was just kind of like curiosity but he didn't ask of course not and um basically he just noticed how sad she was and and internally in his internal dialogue he was kind of just like you know obviously she answered the question without him ever asking it which was like how does it feel it's pretty shitty (laughs) so anyways fast forward the books the book actually fast forwards to her in college and him he becomes like a a junior kind of crime writer like his father was hoping that he would become a cop or something like that but like basically he becomes like a crime a crime writer i guess is what it's called and what he does is like takes this, these true cases these big true cases and he like writes about it from start to finish he interviews everybody the victims the the killer everybody pieces together all this stuff and like basically uncovers the truth and tells the story and his father doesn't really like that at all because he feels like noah is just like reopening old wounds and diving into these cases and like just not respecting it like he just felt like he wasn't respecting like the gravity of what had happened or what had been done he just like didn't respect the journalism behind it right because like honestly like even though we appreciate journalists for like telling us a story and like knowing what's going on in our area and everything like i guess from the purview of the police and the victims and all that, when you're shoving a camera in their face or, like, you know, wanting them to, like, discuss it in better detail, like, it just is a lot. So, like, his father didn't really understand what he was doing and, like, didn't like it. But anyways, he meets up with her when she's in college. His plan is to kind of kind of just ask her and get her story. Like, he really wanted to write this story. Obviously, it's a big story. And no journalist had ever been able to really interview the family or get anywhere near them right so like he wanted to be able to write this big story so he went to visit her and was hoping like he could get an interview with her but what ends up happening is like once he sees her she's like beautiful young woman in college like studying i think like i forget like plants or something and basically she's just like this virgin young girl you know um really just elegant and I I don't know I don't I don't know I don't have the right words to describe her but she's just like this sweet you know innocent young woman and she's beautiful and he just like sees her and he's just taken by her and they end up more or less going out on these dates and he keeps putting off the fact that he wants to ask her about you know her mother and all these things like he just puts it off and he just like has these couple of weeks where he just is like dating her and they're just kind of falling in love with each other and then uh, when she gets to the point of actually like being so into him and like like falling in love with him like she wants to sleep with him so she comes over his apartment like unexpected and like he he actually was just coming from the gym so he goes and he's like okay well come in like i'm just gonna go take a shower really quick whatever so as she's taking he's taking a shower she basically finds his notes actually i'm spoiling everything aren't i i'm not gonna tell you the end (laughs) so like okay so like she finds his notes and like um basically sees like all of his little notes and scribbles and stuff about her 
about the case of her mother and figures out like puts two and two together and feels like he was just using her to like get these details and that's why he was like dating her quote unquote like she just felt like he was like using her basically because he never mentioned this right and obviously this like this was what he was trying to do or whatever i don't know so he just she just felt like none of it was real he came to just use her to get the story so when he came out of the shower and everything they just it was just like this cold interaction like she was all heartbroken and she just felt like he was using her and he just you know i don't know it just ended badly and it ended up with her you know heartbroken and just feeling like he betrayed her so then fast forward again um years go by she is now a nature guide you know at the lodge she's back with her grandparents who are much older now and she's just like pretty much running the lodge so he comes there and he is basically now i'm just gonna summarize he's basically there also not only for the story but also to kind of apologize and re like try to rekindle things with her because like he just never stopped thinking of her and they obviously have this connection and basically they spend all this time together and kind of try to work through you know what he wants and what she because she's so closed off and she doesn't want to discuss her parents either it's just all so painful for her and like he just wants to to help her heal and like tell the story and they just have that whole thing between them and she also just doesn't trust him too and like it takes a long time for her to believe that he didn't he didn't um he wasn't using her that first time or whatever but then like throwing a wrench in all of that also is the fact that her dad supposed killer of her mother is getting out of jail and and then gets out of jail basically and is free and then she keeps getting like these things that he used to give her like he used to like give her like these little presents like these little music boxes and stuff and like she'd find them in her room and like it was clear that i don't know it felt like he was kind of stalking her and she just felt really unsafe and like it just the story keeps going and pretty much like there's a, a really climactic climactic end like things get uncovered there's so many plot twists about who's the killer and what actually happened and it's like shocking <laughs> but it ends really well between her and noah because they're just so in love i don't know you have to read the book i feel like i spoiled a lot of it but like it's still not going to spoil it for you <laughs> like if you read the book because there's so much more to it that i could possibly explain but again one of my favorite books like hands down would recommend to anyone and love them okay so after my nora roberts phase because i read a lot of nora roberts books there's so many notable nora roberts books out there that i really truly truly enjoyed um and i had a whole phase of just reading books that were by her after that when i was like in middle school i met a girl who like she basically was my hairdresser she'd come over my house all the time and do my hair my mother would pay her to do my hair and she was really like into reading as well she was much older than me she was like in high school or whatever so i don't know we just she she loved reading and she basically in, i feel like she kind of introduced me to if I'm not mistaken, because I know I went to the library and picked up a lot of these types of books too, but I feel like she kind of really introduced me to the world of historical romance. Okay, so after that Nora Roberts phase, I got into historical romance. This is like my thing. Like, this is like my thing when it comes to books. Like, this is just my genre. This is where I just like, mwah, like fit in. Like, I don't know. It's my thing. And if you're a historical romance fan, then we just gel immediately you're like part of my tribe like yes okay so historical romance novels they're just set in like i i basically the ones that i enjoy are like set in like london and like the 1800s or whatever and they're all about like these stories of women and men who are like when it was in those times there was like a major class system like you weren't supposed to marry people that were outside of your class or your ranking or whatever it's so like i would read all these books about like a duke okay like if you want to look up online like i feel like a 
right after a prince, like, the people who had, like, the highest titles were, like, a duke and a duchess, and then there's, like, a prince and a princess. Like, that's below a prince and princess, you'd find, like, a duke and a duchess, okay? So, like, these are very powerful and high, high titles, okay? So, like, a duke had so much responsibility at the time. These were people that, like, had, like, usually had so much money and like were like filthy rich had owned so many land so much land had like you know big influences in government and had a lot of responsibility and one of their responsibilities was to marry so that they could have an an heir to the dukedom so like they basically needed to have a baby to take on the title or else the title would expire and there would be no more of that in their family line so they needed to have a boy basically okay so um yeah basically these young guys at that time they they a lot of the stories basically were like they didn't necessarily want to get married okay like they were just having their fun sleeping around with whatever women were willing to sleep around not gentle women because at that time the women were like things were really strict right so like as a woman your virginity was like on a pedestal it really did matter you really were supposed to save yourself for marriage and there was like all these rules about prepare prepare property like i can't speak um and just like everything being proper and you always having a chaperone when you were around a guy and you weren't married and otherwise like otherwise you could be ruined okay (laughs) quote unquote ruined so basically if there was any room for speculation that you were alone with a gentleman and you guys could have had sex, then you were ruined. If he didn't marry you, then it was like scandal. First of all, there would still be a scandal. Like if you were caught alone without a chaperone with like a gentleman and you weren't married, it would be scandalous and like everybody would be talking about it. Because like in those times, like like the way the stories are described, like in those times, they would like, there would be a season, okay? So like this, there's a season in London and during this season, all these, like, eligible bachelors would be out and about at all the balls. And all these, like, marriageable women would be at the balls in their best gowns and stuff. And, like, be basically waiting for people to, like, fill out their dance cards to dance with them. And talking and flirting to try to get somebody to court them to marry them. Okay? So it's, like, a whole thing. And during that time, like, if you were caught like without any and the woman obviously had chaperones so chaperones are like older women that would be like around them to uh, basically ensure that like nothing untoward was happening while they were with their like gentlemen or whatever so if you were like out on the balcony in a dim lit area with like a young man and without a chaperone like you were basically there was like a whole scandal that you were like ruined you know because something could have happened you know, just like the thought of something, like just like the the suspicion that something could have happened, like totally ruins your your name and disparages you amongst the ton. They call it the ton, which is just the people of London society, and they would just basically shun you and like you just be like, oh, that whore. Like you're not, you're not like mar- like marriageable. Like and even if somebody would marry you, you're like bottom of the rung. Like you're just basically a hoe. Like you're just not. You're damaged goods. Basically, you're ruined. Right. So that's how they kind of viewed things at the time, which is like really arch, like obviously archaic and like crazy. But that was just the rules that everything went by. Okay, so. All these stories, a lot of these stories focused on, like, a man, like, they either focused on the man with, like, a high title, like a duke, being with a woman who was of a lower class than him, because that was the other scandal. Like, you, if you were, like, a woman or a man, and you were of a certain class, like, you can't go beneath your class. Like, you could, like, if as a duke, you could, like, go for, like, any, any young woman with a title, was kind of like okay like that's fine but like if she was like a peasant's daughter or like a vicar's daughter like obviously a peasant like they're poor but like vicar is like a kind of also poor but like a preacher's daughter basically you would say or like some like farmers like a farmer's daughter or like a country maiden like some some country girl that didn't know anything about the city like 
all these types of people like just were like so beneath you and beyond that like if you if you were into like uh some somebody really disgraceful like a maid or like uh <laughs> I don't know somebody like way beneath your class station like it just was not okay like you could not like it was just like a big no-no okay so like there were either these story plots with like a duke like with somebody who's like wait kind of below his station or somebody like who had scandals surrounding them before like a woman who had some kind of scandal and like him being with her or in reverse it was like a woman and it was like a duke who was known like he wasn't ruined obviously but he could be known for something bad like there'd be these dukes that like committed offenses basically that that were really intimidating like there'd be rumors that like they killed someone or like they did something untoward and like everybody was scared of them or even just like their personality like their personality was really menacing and intimidating and everyone was scared of them and it's just like this young lady that you know had to like contend with this like really strong personality male that everybody was afraid of and try to get close to like it would be either be those types of stories or be a story where you know like two people were just be talking or whatever basically like flirting and talking and having this like instant connection and then be caught alone together and be forced to be married and and then there would be like some kind of like resentment in the beginning because like they don't really know each other and like the young men like they didn't really want to get married so quickly like they wanted to put it off as much as possible or these sometimes men would just marry out of this like i need an i need an heir and like didn't really plan on paying attention to their wives and planned on having like mistresses and like just as soon as she just gave him like a young baby boy like he, they would just discard her and just kind of like all right like you can just stay in the house and do whatever and i'm just gonna live my life however i want and like be with my mistresses or whatever and ignore you but then like they would end that that's what they would think that they wanted and was was gonna do but then they would end up falling in love with the woman so i don't know all these stories are just so I found them to be so riveting and I still find them to be so riveting and I'm actually opening right now my Kindle app hopefully I'm like explaining this well but like probably not <laughs> but I'm gonna open up my Kindle app now and try to see like some of my favorites okay so first of all Julia Quinn hands down one of my freaking favorites for these types of books okay she's just like so good and actually i think like netflix is picking up one of her series because she has these series the series of basically all these books a lot of her books center around one family called the briggertons the bridgertons or whatever and they're basically this big family of like boys and girls who are like well-to-do like have like these titles or like these high titles or whatever and they're basically basically like starts from start to finish with the oldest to the youngest and how they fall in love and their stories of falling in love and all that stuff and each story like she incorporates like new members of the family cousins brothers sisters whoever and like she just has this every book like kind of centers around at least one bridgerton and so i think that like um netflix is actually like doing a series <laughs> featuring this now which is crazy um and cool and actually, I'm opening up one now, which is one of my favorites, and it has the Netflix logo on it, which is coming to Netflix, which is so exciting for me because I've been reading these books, again, like, since, like, middle school or something, okay? So this, one of my favorites is called The Duke and I, and it says coming to Netflix. So I'm going to read you guys um, the uh, description of that one, if I can find it. So I'm Googling literally right now. The Duke and I summary. Yeah, all online. It's like Netflix, Netflix. Okay. Let me see. Okay. I think this is like a good summary. Okay. Simon, his mother. Pa okay, wait. Let me see. Let me start from the beginning. The first girl in the bridgerton series daphne's love stories is definitely one of the most interesting story written by julia quinn so this is somebody else's clearly like a reader's purview of the story but 
I happen to agree with that statement. <laughs> um, this book is the first book out as Bridgerton series. Before we go to Daphne, we all have to know a little bit about the hero in the story. Simon, his mother passed away when giving birth to him, and as known by public, Simon's father, Duke of Hastings, put much big hope for him. Even when Simon was only two years old, his father already gave him a pony, a gun, and some tutors. A bit too early for a duke's education in his nurse's opinion, but Duke of Hastings didn't care at all. All his life, he had wanted an heir, and when his wife finally gave birth to Simon, he was extremely happy. Until, at four years old, the duke realized that Simon didn't talk. He was so furious, he nearly hit the nurse, and little Simon started to yell no. Then the duke was relieved. But next, he heard Simon say, don't you <laughs> hit her. And that was it. The Duke decided that Simon was a moron. He was a stuttering moron. He went back to London, and since then, it was quite common that people thought Duke's little boy passed away. When he was a bit older, Simon and the nurse went to visit his father. The butler was quite surprised as they thought the Duke had no son. Simon managed to learn how to speak fluently, only failed one or two times. They met the Duke and yet facing his father, he can't control his emotion. And so the Duke of Hastings asked him to leave, saying there was no place for Simon there. Since then, it was Simon's mind to keep being the exact opposite of what his father wanted him to be. A few years later, Simon grew up, studied at in Eton, Eton and Oxford without his father's approval at first but then knowing his son is good at the study he said nothing and eventually befriended with Anthony Bridgerton. One day he was on Lady Danbury's ballroom and heard a woman's voice saying no. He was planning to be present in Lady Danbury's party, greeted her and left. If he's helping this woman there's no way that no one will notice him. Um, Damn this like this is like really, really extremely, extremely long of a thing. So I'm just going to finish it out myself describing what happened. Basically, Simon, <laughs> which I, could, I should have just said this from the beginning. Basically, Simon, like it said, his he was like a duke's son. And this this duke was like tried so hard with his wife to like have a, a, a baby boy as an heir and like he put her through the ringer. She was her his wife was pretty much like it was not safe for her to be having a baby. Like she was not doing well. But he literally like did she, that was his her purpose in his eyes and she he basically kept trying with her until she had the baby and she died. Okay, so she had little Simon. He was so happy about it and then obviously when he found out that Simon had a stutter, he was like this was like the biggest like atrocity embarrassment in his mind like he could not have a son that was like an idiot basically and so like he the nurse that raised the boy felt so bad for him and like he's like just with determination taught him how to talk and like without stuttering and stuff like that and taught him how to control himself and everything and so like yeah when they went they went finally went to go because his father after that like after he stuttered pretty much never came home and like ignored his existence to the point where people thought he died and finally when the nurse had finished like teaching him basically how to to control his stutter and like talk fluently you know they went to go visit his father to like you know show him like yeah the boy's not an idiot like he just needed some extra attention or whatever and love so he went to go visit his father but his father was so intimidating and just like mean to him that you know even though he had done all this hard work of basically speech therapy like um he just started stuttering again because like pretty much his stutters were, were tied to his emotions at that point like if he didn't if he didn't control himself really well and like like emotions flooded him and he just didn't have control of his vocal cords like he would start stuttering so like obviously like even somebody without a stutter problem, like, if you are high on emotions, you can, like, start stuttering, right? Like, if you start crying and, like, or you get really scared, like, you'll start stuttering. But, like, this kid obviously already had a stutter. So, like, he had to work extra hard to to not stutter when he was talking. So, if he was high on emotion, which he was when his father was being mean to him and he was really angry, like, he obviously would start stuttering. And once he did that again, like... The, the the duke was like no like get out of my face never come back here again whatever so he goes to school he starts studying and he gets a he meets a friend anthony bridgerton which is the oldest bridgerton brother and they're really good friends or whatever so 
basically what the Duke of Hastings wanted for his from his from his son as as his son got older was of course to like for his son to get married and like you know have a baby a baby boy so that the line wouldn't just discontinue like he obviously wanted his family the dukedom to continue so his son did everything like the opposite of that like did not want to get married like would not get married because he felt like that would please his father and he just grew up hating his father's guts and everything that his father wanted him to do he just pretty much was like all about doing the opposite thing like it said so anyways fast forward he's going to this ball for this like older woman who's throwing this ball that is like i don't know very influential so he has to go so he went and like basically he heard a young woman you know telling like some man to stop and he like what went to go play hero and it's raining really hard outside i don't know if you guys can hear that but it's like literally raining really hard outside and i can hear it on my window pane like it's like we we literally got a flash flood warning like it's no joke um but yeah so i'm gonna and i'm gonna put my hold on real quick i'm gonna put my phone on the charger because in case the power goes out, I definitely don't want to. Yeah. Okay. So. Anyway. <laughs> he uh, he hears this woman like needing help. So he goes to help this young woman. Because it seems like something effed up is happening. He goes outside and he finds like basically Daphne Bridgerton. Like this drunk guy was like trying to propose to her marriage to her but he's clearly drunk and she's just like trying to get him away from her and she ended up punching him and like literally knocked him out and like needed to like drag the body (laughs) or something like that like that's how i remember it i think and anyway like they get into this conversation with each other and it was just kind of like friendly mostly like they kind of had an attraction to each other but it was kind of mostly friendly okay so like they have this like funny interaction with each other and then they both go back into the ballroom separately or whatever and they pretend not to meet because they don't want like her like she has a lot of brothers and they don't want her and and at first she she was just like unaffected by simon because she felt like i have so many brothers like she was that kind of girl like i have so many brothers like i just I'm not that, like, shocked by the male species, okay? Like, even though he's hot, like, it just, I don't know. Just, like, I'm not, like, a fainting miss, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, this is, like, like, I don't know. Whatever. She's just used to male presence, so she just wasn't, like, shocked by anything. Or she felt like she wasn't going to be. So, anyway. They go back into the ballroom separately and they pretend like they don't know each other because they don't want anybody saying anything happened. Obviously, they were alone together and she de- he, Simon doesn't want her any of her brothers getting any ideas or thinking like anything either or getting like de- super defensive over her and vice versa for her. She didn't want that shit. So like they pretend not to know each other really. So then they get introduced because Anthony, her brother, introduces them to each other, which they already met. And basically what happens is Daphne... She's a pretty girl or whatever, but she's, like, almost, I think she was, like, too smart for her own good and, like, just did it. I don't know, just, like, she just wasn't, I don't know. She's just too smart for her own good, okay? Like, she just, like, in that time, like, they had this phrase called blue stocking and, like, if you were, like, really, really smart and, like, the men just had, like, it was, like, very archaic, like, this, the men basically wanted those women who did, they felt, like, needed them and were more stupid, um, you know, and just, like, made them feel powerful or whatever, I don't know, like, that's what they kind of wanted, and, like, she was not that girl, like, she was just very smart, she was, her conversations were, like, very interesting and riveting, and, like, they just were intimidated by her and, like, didn't really, I don't know, they just weren't attracted to that. So anyways, Daphne was almost on the shelf. Like, and on the shelf basically means what you think it might mean, which is that, like, she was getting so older. And, like, if you get older and you, like, do season after season and, like, nobody wants you, then you're, like, you become an old maid or whatever. And, like, it's just, like, I don't know, nobody wants you. Like, you're old and you're unmarried. Like, even still to this day, like, people are, like, frown upon, like, single young women who are just, like, getting older, like, and not being married. Like, I know. Okay? 
so but back then it was like a big 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 deal okay so like anyways she was just like almost on the shelf or whatever so fast forward through the book what essentially happens is that her and simon have this like easy friendship you know they have like this good friendship between them and like they it's just like very i don't know it's just the conversation is so easy there can be so they can be pretty honest with each other and it's just like nice and lighthearted and fun and like they laugh with each other and all that stuff and what happens is that they come up with this plan that he likes to be left alone at parties like he didn't want he's a duke so and he's like not married so obviously everybody and their mother literally wanted <laughs> you know to get with that with him like they wanted to marry him because like he's he's like filthy rich he's like obviously gonna need a wife someday to give him a baby like that's what they're thinking and he's just eligible as hell and like every mother was like parading their daughter like go talk to the duke like he's yes like he you need to get with him like our family will be so rich you'll be so rich you'll have a title you'll be a duchess like it's a big draw and a big you know deal so like they all would like flood him and like and trap him in conversations like get their daughters to dance with him like just bother him everywhere he went right so he did he didn't want to be bothered and a lot of these parties like they were like you couldn't just like not go like you had to go so um he wanted to be left alone at parties and she she needed like more suitors like she needed more men coming after her so and the thing was like once someone sees like a duke wanting you they're just kind of like ding like a duke wants you like there must be something to you like they're like maybe we didn't see you the right way before like a duke is interested in you that must mean like you're like precious cargo you know what i mean like and it makes other people want you because like he's just had such status like that the other gentlemen would like flock to her if they thought like if they thought like a duke was interested in her it interested in her it would just make her like I don't know put the spotlight on her so they came up with this plan that he would actually act like he was courting her and like that would get her a lot of attention and like get more guys to be coming towards her and then she would just be able to have her pick of like eligible gentlemen and also at the same time throughout the season it would keep um like it would keep a lot of women from coming towards him because they would think like she he was kind of almost taken like because he was interested in her okay and that was their little plan like they were going to use each other for that those goals but obviously within that somewhere within that they kind of fell for each other a little bit but still still they still they had no plans of like being together okay but then like something happens and basically like you know they got into like a little bit of a scandalous situation and they ended up having to get married otherwise it would be scandalous and then once they get married like there's a lot of things that happen i don't know i don't want to get too into it but it it does have a happy ending it's such a good story i feel like i've spent so much time talking about this particular story but it's so so good it's one of my favorites and that's pretty much like there's so many um i'm gonna open up my kindle again because julia quinn is not the she has so many books that are so good but i also enjoy sarah mclean she is also a really good she has this book called nine rules to break when romancing a rake and i really love that book it's so good um i'm trying to see who else lisa Kleepas. it's k-l-e-y-p-a-s she has some good books too I don't like all of her stuff, but there's a lot of her stuff that I really enjoy. Ooh, Joanna Lindsay. Joanna Lindsay is also a really good, um, she has some really good stuff as well. So yeah, and then let me see if I have anything else that I want, like any other authors that I want to name drop for you guys that are actually good, that are in this genre. Um, Eloisa James. Eloisa James is really good as well. Um, in this genre and who else victoria alexander also really good has a lot of good books okay so yeah i really definitely recommend julia quinn but those other names that i dropped are also really really good in this uh historical romance genre all these stories are like set in london and like this time with all these like particular rules and it's just so i don't know just reading these romances where like somebody seeing your friggin' like ankle or like touching your hand was so like 
like shock he could like I don't know just like like gave you butterflies because like people just kept men and women kept like there was something sacred about men and women they kept like such like these distances between each other until they decided to go for each other romantically everything was kind of more sacred and it meant so much more and I feel like um I don't know these like reading like especially when it gets to the point of the book where it's like their first night of marriage and they're like gonna hook up with each other and like it's such a big deal because the girl's always like a virgin I don't know I mean I feel like obviously it's really super archaic but it also is something about it that's really heartwarming and like just interesting just to like imagine stuff being that sacred and not like every girl you know having like an OnlyFans and you already saw them all naked and like nothing is really that sacred anymore these days but like back then it was so different and it's so interesting to read about it anyways those are some of my favorite like (laughs) books ever and then also I'm gonna close out and say that like um I'm gonna look through my library again and see if there's any other types of books like that's pretty much where like it ended like like as far as my journey through books and like what were my favorites and stuff like that like as a kid and then as a teen I just kind of got into like these types of novels and like I've been reading them ever since and I've just been so 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 into them um I still read some modern romance obviously but like just I tend to lean towards historical romance because it's so different from um modern romance I don't know it just takes me to a different time and it doesn't make me think of anyone in particular it just I don't know whatever I'm just not gonna be good at explaining it so I'm just gonna stop trying to explain it but yeah um I think that's about it for real like I read other books I've read like I've read Harry Potter which is like obviously it's so popular I've read that um and I loved Harry Potter as a kid but those are like what-offs right like I'm just talking about like genres that re- like it books that like really like um I've just been into so much you know what I mean but like Harry Potter was like a one-off I did read like the first book or so of the Divergent series I did read Twilight when it was popular I read all four books okay like sorry I just I did I didn't love it but I did not love it (laughs) you know what I mean I hated the movies but the books like weren't that bad like they weren't I don't know compared to like an uh, I don't even want to get into the mechanics of that okay I read Twilight I'm just not even gonna try to justify it I read Twilight um (laughs) but yeah the books that I talked about and described are the ones that I really have an affinity for and I really 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 enjoyed and still enjoy till this day like I will read them all over and over and over again okay when I was a little girl and I was watching PBS because that was like the popular thing to be watching at like five years old I remember I loved watching Reading Rainbow that was one of my favorite shows on PBS and like still is one of my favorite shows I always watch these shows by the way when I get sick like like fun fact about me whenever I'm like really sick and just like not feeling good I actually just like lay in bed and I will turn on the TV and find these old episodes of like Reading Rainbow. I will find um, the old episodes of Mr. Rogers. If you don't know about these things, like, I don't know, you're just not, (laughs) I don't even know what to tell you if you don't know about these shows. Like, I just, I don't know. But yes, Mr. Rogers, Reading Rainbow and Rugrats will come on when I'm sick and I'll watch like these little shows that I used to watch when I was a little girl they're so comforting but yeah the point being that I loved reading Rainbow as a kid and like that also kind of set the the tone for my love of books so anyways I'm going to conclude this by saying that books really 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 help with my stress depression and anxiety so much uh growing up I would say that it helped a lot with my anxiety because I again I could get lost in the books not focus on what was going on around me and then like as I got older it also helped me with like my depression like I could disappear into the books so like it really helped with my depression um as did writing but this is not what that episode is this episode is about and 
it helps with stress too because like I don't know it's just again it's like a, it's like an escape okay it's just such an escape it's so comforting and so warm to just dive in a cozy book and like not come up for air sometimes you know what I mean so yeah if you're not a reader I encourage you to find a genre that really is fun for you to read like go to your local library libraries are like kind of one of the last places in America that you can go that is completely free you walk in okay like it is free it doesn't matter what your race gender whatever you are whoever you are like homeless like I don't know you could be literally anyone you can walk you have a free pass to walk into your local library okay and like sit down and read and nobody's gonna ask you any questions you literally just walk in go through the shelves pick out a book sit down quietly and read and it's totally okay to be there and it's totally free and these are this is like one of the last few places where that is possible for you to do okay so so take advantage of this and like go to your local libraries and see if you can find a genre that really speaks to you if you don't know of one already and also like if anything any one of these books that I talked about if they interest you please do check them out okay like I do definitely obviously recommend them and if you again I don't know why I'm repeating myself but yeah if you want to check them out please do read them and then tweet me at sd underscore anxious that is s is in stressed d is in depressed underscore anxious and let me know what your thoughts on these books were and I just would love to hear from you guys about books it's just like my favorite thing and it's like a quick self-care tip is to like find a book to disappear into so you don't have to focus on all your problems and I think I did mention something earlier about maladaptive daydreaming and never went back to it but like the reason why I brought it up was because this is like for me I felt like I kind of feel like it's a form of that I feel like reading these books for me is like a coping mechanism and I just spend a lot of time like disappearing into these worlds that these books revolve around in rather than dealing with my real life I don't think it's like super super debilitating right now or anything like that but I think like when I was a lot younger it probably definitely was because I just did not focus on what was going on around me and I tended to just focus on books like so much to the point where like I can define my childhood by like the books that I've read because I just wasn't participating in life as much and I was just disappearing into the books because I just I needed to I felt like I needed to but that's neither here nor there I don't know you guys I'm gonna wrap up this episode I've been talking forever and I don't want to bore you guys to tears but I am wishing you guys a day month week year free of stress depression and anxiety and um yeah where I am it's pretty much like I again I don't know if you can hear this rain pouring in the background but like it is basically like freaking pouring rain like a hurricane like literally like flood warning like yeah it's it's bad so keep me in your prayers um I love all of you um, stay safe and find yourself a nice cozy book to read download the kindle app on your phone if you can you know and or if you do have it like I don't know I think there's a way for me to share books with you guys um, if there is like I don't know tweet me about it or I'll check it out and I'll see like if you want me to share books with you guys I will like I definitely will I love you all of you that are listening and good night and thank you as always for tuning in i don't know just love you guys so much okay bye